Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right, y'all. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Today, we are going to talk about the betrayal that conservatives feel over Fox News celebrating the gender transition of a small child. What does this mean? Why does it matter? Should we continue to support Fox News? What does this tell us about the nature of companies and institutions? What do we think of this as Christians? But before we get into it, there is one other thing that I want to talk about that is going to lead us into that subject, and that is the Dobbs decision that will be published imminently. We don't know exactly when, either this week, next week, or the next week. And first, I'll start with a reminder to continue to pray about the Dobbs decision and for the Supreme Court. That is the SCOTUS decision, as you guys probably know, that will determine the future of Roe v. Wade and whether states will be able to ban or significantly restrict abortion. Could be this Wednesday. I will guess that it will probably be the last week of June. I don't know that for sure. I just kind of have a hunch. I'll be on vacation next week, just FYI. So we're going to have a couple new episodes come out, but not four new episodes, but I won't be doing live shows. So I really hope that it's not then because I won't be able to give the commentary, the analysis that I want to give and this, hopefully the celebration that I want to give. But let's pray for the justices, the conservative justices. Let us also pray that justice will prevail for preborn children. As we talked about last week, a man traveled from California to Justice Kavanaugh's home to murder him. He turned himself in, thank God, but he said he was angry about Roe possibly being overturned. And ironically, he said that he was also upset that the Supreme Court upholds the Second Amendment. And that's just funny because he actually traveled from California, one of the states with the strictest gun control laws, to Justice Kavanaugh's home with a gun. And so after that threat, which the media barely reported on, consider that for a second, a Supreme Court justice nearly gets assassinated and the same people who say that they care so much about norms and decency and normalcy and democracy barely even furrowed their brow over it. The Washington Post editorial board did publish, to their credit, kind of, an opinion saying as gingerly as possible that maybe, possibly, Justices shouldn't be afraid for their lives inside their own homes. And for that opinion, they got dragged on Twitter by the left, totally ratioed by leftists that the Washington Post has helped create over the years with their biased reporting. They insisted, these people ratioing the Washington Post for this milquetoast opinion, they insisted that actually the Supreme Court justices should feel unsafe in their homes because apparently the Supreme Court has made people feel unsafe through their decisions. And so I guess they just see it as kind of what they deserve. People in the comments were citing all of these decisions that they didn't like by the Supreme Court that has made the country more dangerous, they say. And this just speaks to the truth. This reaction to this Again, a milquetoast opinion, an obvious opinion by the Washington Post editorial board just confirms what I always say, that many leftists do not mean it when they say they want democracy. They do not like the Constitution. 
They do not like the idea of inalienable rights. They do not like fair representation. They do not like impartial, non-political institutions. The Supreme Court just interprets the law in light of the Constitution, and they don't like that. It really doesn't matter. It should not matter if you or I like the decision. The question should be, is it constitutional? But you really don't see leftists ever debating that question, the only question that really matters. It's always about how a particular decision or policy makes them feel. They do not care if it's constitutional. They want their political objectives met no matter what. That's why most in the left-wing media are not even talking about this assassination attempt because at best, at best, they don't care. It is not a huge deal to them. To these kinds of leftists, if Brett Kavanaugh is assassinated, they see it as karma. As crazy as that might sound, I know it sounds kind of hyperbolic, but judging from their silence, judging from their apparent, again, at best apathy towards it, it would seem that they kind of think of it as, well, what goes around comes around. They actually see the threat to what they would call abortion rights as so egregious that it may actually deserve um, that the justice who rules against what they call abortion rights may actually deserve to be killed. That is why, even after the threat of assassination, leftists were still protesting outside of his and Justice Barrett's homes where they have small children. The ends always justify the means to them. There is nothing too radical for their tactics. And I wish, again, that I were exaggerating, but when the Dobbs draft leaked, I saw blue check mark after blue check mark unashamedly saying that the justices should be threatened and intimidated. And actually, when I think about it, I need to clarify something. I typically say that when left wing activists say that they want democracy, they mean authoritarianism that they like. And when they say authoritarian, they mean democracy that they don't like. So any law that restricts abortion or allows gun ownership, that's fascism somehow, always, in the same way that they use racism to mean anything that they disagree with. So I say that they don't really want democracy typically. But I think, actually, the more accurate thing to say is that what they want is pure democracy. And this is what pure democracy always devolves into, which is mob rule. And this is why the founders resisted it and gave us a republic, a representative democracy with the Senate and an electoral college and state and local governments so that 51% of the population don't tyrannize the 49%. So that a handful of major cities in California, New York in the country don't get to make decisions for every other state. Mob rule is exactly what we have seen Democrats push in the last two years. They talk about the importance of 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 justice, of equity. They don't. Well, again, it's not that they don't really mean those things. They mean their versions of justice and equity, which ironically are unjust and inequitable. Like, think about the Derek Chauvin and Kyle Rittenhouse trials. The jurors were threatened The judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse case was threatened because the left-wing activists wanted the results that they wanted, that made them feel good. They weren't actually concerned with an impartial decision-making process. They weren't actually concerned with the right to due process. They weren't actually concerned with impartial justice. I mean, whatever you think about those cases, do we really want to live in a country without due process? Where jurors make a decision not based on evidence, but based on the ruthlessness of the social justice mob? Does that seem like a fair and just society for anyone? What these activists protesting outside the homes of the justices are saying is this. 
I don't care what the Constitution says. I don't want you to interpret the law without bias. I don't want you to remain an impartial institution. That's what they're saying. I want you to make a decision based on your fear of us. That's how they feel. That's what they're communicating. Again, I ask you, does that sound like a good system? If you're on the left, do you want Sotomayor to make her decisions based on her fear of a right-wing mob? Well, good news for you. You don't have to worry about that if you're on the left because if a right-wing mob were protesting outside her home, they would be in jail right now. If a right-wing man traveled from Texas to Virginia with a gun to kill Justice Kagan, it's all anyone would be talking about for weeks and weeks. Ah, but right. The right, the right are the ones that we need to fear. The people on the right are the true threat to stability in this country. Okay. In a sense, though, the right is a threat to the left-wing idea of democracy, which is, again, essentially mob rule, because we actually care about the Constitution. If the Supreme Court makes a decision that we don't like, what do you find online? A bunch of threats? A bunch of just hysteria? No, you see a bunch of articles about why the logic and the constitutionality of the decision was wrong, not hysterical emotionalism about how the decision makes us feel. And, you know, maybe that's our problem as conservatives. Like, maybe that's why we so often lose is because we're not hysterical enough. We care about the rules and we care about fairness too much. I don't know, though, how to change that because I don't want to be like the other side. I and many conservatives and conservatives are not monolithic. So I understand not everyone has this belief system, but I and many conservatives were conservatives because we are, are Christians. And so we feel tethered to a higher and transcendent standard that includes biblical principles of impartial justice and integrity and political victories are not the end all be all, although we see them as important because we care about people, because again, we care about justice here on earth. But it's not the end-all be-all. Progressivism is a religion for many people on the left, and it is the end-all be-all for them, which is why the means so often or the ends so much, so often justify the means for them. But it's different for a lot of conservatives who feel like we are tethered to something higher and more transcendent. And such is the nature of progressivism versus conservatism. Conserving justice and good institutions takes conscientiousness. It takes caution. It takes care. Progressivism simply seeks to dismantle institutions, which can be done recklessly. And that makes it hard for the right to compete against the left. That's why all of these institutions have been captured by leftism. That and the fact that every company and major institution in this country, as I just mentioned, are left wing. Big tech, academia, public education, the federal government, and And here's something else against us. The Republicans we do have don't even use the tools constitutionally available to them to push back against leftism. I mean, save a few Republicans like Ron DeSantis, who is willing to go down the only feasible path forward for conservatism, which is using the power on hand to push policy that aligns with good conservative values. So that means revoking privileges for companies that threaten to subvert the will of the majority of Floridians like Disney did. That means trying to shape curriculum away from racial division and inappropriate sex ed. That means protecting women's sports. That means preserving the life inside the womb. That means protecting parents' rights. But a lot of Republicans aren't willing to do that. In fact, they're just ready to stab you in the back. For example, right now, there are Republicans in the Senate conspiring with Democrats to make it harder for law-abiding citizens to exercise their Second Amendment rights. They think if they give an inch to the left, they'll be liked. They'll be insulated from criticism. It's a fantasy that never works. 
And that's why most Republicans won't even touch the culture wars, abortion, gender ideology. You don't have that problem with the left. They're constantly fighting culture wars because they, to their credit, recognize something that most Republicans refuse to, that we are in a moral theological fight more than we are in a political one. We are fighting over human nature. We are fighting over where truth comes from. We are fighting over where rights come from. We are fighting over the idea of right and wrong and who gets to decide that. Many Republicans in power, the reason why they're not willing to fight that battle is because, if we're honest, they are actually on the same page morally and theologically as the secular left. So they don't really care about the gender and abortion stuff. They, they just don't care about it because they, at best, just they're just complacent at best. And at worst, they actually agree with it. And that's how you get a Republican governor of, of Utah, Spencer Cox, killing a bill protecting women's sports and stating his pronouns at the beginning of a Zoom call. That's how you get that. And that is also how you get Fox News, a supposedly conservative network, airing a segment celebrating the transition of a child from a girl into a boy. And we'll analyze that in just one second. Let me first pause, tell you about our first sponsor for the day. And that is my Patriot Supply. All right, you guys know how much I talk about the hope that we have. Of course, the hope in heaven, the hope that we have in eternity. And we talk a lot about God's sovereignty, that nothing escapes his sovereign will. He is totally, completely in control. His eternal plan of redemption is always going off without a hitch. And yet that does not mean that we are not wise stewards of our time and our resources, trying to prepare as much as we can for the instability that may be ahead. And preparing for that instability involves preparing your food supply. And that is why I love my Patriot Supply. That's why I'm so glad that they exist. Uh, They offer you non-perishable food. This is a three-month supply of food for everyone in your family. It shows up at your front door, unmarked boxes for the sake of privacy. You can put it in your pantry until you need it. God forbid you need it. But if you do, you and your family will be taken care of in this way. And if you go to preparewithally.com, you can save 150 on a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. It feeds one person for three solid months, and so I would get supply for your entire family. These kits are in stock. They ship fast. So go to preparewithally.com. You will save $150 when you do. Go to preparewithally.com for that discount. That's preparewithally.com. All right, so I was stunned Over the weekend, I think it was maybe on Friday when I first saw this, someone sent this to me. Um, America, America Newsroom, is that what it's called? America's Newsroom. They did a segment about this child named Ryland, who is now 14 years old, who was born a girl. Of course, we believe still is a girl um, whose parents transitioned Ryland when she was very young, five years old, America's Newsroom ran a segment on this, celebrating it, calling it wonderful and courageous and heroic. And I will not only describe to you why this is so troubling to me from a variety of angles, we are also going to look at a study after 
um, after we talk about this segment from the Heritage Foundation that just came out today that completely dismantles this idea that transition of a child actually saves their life or prevents them from committing suicide. That was one argument that was made in this whole Fox News segment, and we're going to dismantle that. But first, before we get into it, let me actually let me play you a clip of what was shown on Fox News on Friday. Only walking down the street, you wouldn't think anything different. 14-year-old Ryland Whittington is a typical Southern California teenager. And the Whittingtons, along with mom Hillary, dad Jeff, and sister Brinley, are a typical family. The only difference, though, in Ryland's eyes, is what this family can mean to the tens of thousands of kids under 18 who identify as transgender. We put our story out there so people could see that like there's another family out there that is going through what we're going through or there's another family who's proud of who they are. Before Ryland could even speak, he managed to tell his parents that he is a boy. I could just see it. It wasn't him trying to be a brat. It was like painful. It was truly painful for him to have to wear feminine clothing and, and for us constantly telling him that you're a girl. And unlike some trans kids, when Ryland came out at age five a few years later, he had the full support of his parents. Initially, there was some pushback from us in yeah. trying to understand this. We were confused like most people are. We thought that gender and sexuality were the same thing. It took us a while to figure out that those two things are different. All right. So this is someone, this is a family who is no stranger to the spotlight. This mom wrote a book when Ryland was six years old about her child, quote, coming out at the age of five. Notice what they said there. Notice that they said that Ryland, that they knew before Ryland could speak that she was actually a boy because of her discomfort in girly clothes. Now, Let's think about this. You as an individual, or if you've been around children, if you are a parent yourself, think about what you know about the broad spectrum of behaviors of children. I think about myself. When I was a child, I had two older brothers, and I was just kind of independent, strong-willed, as you can imagine. Maybe that's why I didn't like wearing the things that my mom wanted me to wear. But I went through a stage when I was young of not wanting to wear bows. I never wanted to wear dresses. It, it, it actually did make me uncomfortable. It like embarrassed me. I thought that I was cooler or I don't know, that I was making my own decisions or whatever. I mean, I'm talking about probably like four to five years old. I was in preschool and all I wanted to wear were these like raggedy white t-shirts and my jeans. And I also went through a stage in second grade of like thinking snakes were cool, wanting to like check out snake books in the library. I just wasn't a frilly kind of person. I'm still actually not really a frilly kind of person. I don't like, you know, a bunch of like ruffles and a lot of things that, you know, girls really like. However, I am completely comfortable and totally confident and very happy being a woman. I was really happy as a young girl being a girl. I just didn't like a lot of the things that young girls did. I wouldn't even call myself a tomboy though, because I wouldn't, I didn't like sports or 
anything like that. I just, there were just some girly things that I didn't really like. And I just thank God, thank, literally thank you, Lord, that I was not raised in a time when a preschool teacher or maybe a friend of my family or someone that we know suggested to my parents, you know, maybe your child is confused. Maybe your child is actually supposed to be the opposite gender. Maybe you should try to raise your child as a boy. Because of course, my parents would never have gone along with that, whether they were raised me now or 30 years ago, but still to have that pressure to even have those conversations, to have the emotional manipulation that now is thrown at parents that if you don't want your child to commit suicide, if you want your child to be happy, if you want your child to be satisfied at all, then you need to transition your child at five years old at five years old. I just wonder if these parents ever lay in bed at night and just wonder, what if I had just let her grow up? What if I had just let her grow up? What if I had tried to help her be okay with her body? Like, what if I had tried to teach her that, hey, your body is good. God gave you your body. It's okay that you don't like to wear girly stuff. It's okay that you don't like bows. It's okay that you don't like dresses and that you like sports. That's okay. Like, we'll celebrate that. It's cool. It's cool to be a girl that likes sports. It's cool to be a girl that wears jeans. That's totally fine. But look, God made you a girl and that is awesome. You like dirt bikes, you like baseball, whatever it is, that's great. We will make sure that you can do those hobbies and we will celebrate you as a girl who likes those things. I just do wonder. And in general, I I mean, I think that parents make the best decisions for their kids. I certainly think that parents want to do the best things for their kids. But to know that this mom has been out there writing books about this. There is a CNN documentary about this child's life for years now. Now this kid is 14 years old and that they have been bragging about transitioning their child at five years. I mean, that just that just breaks my heart because the fact of the matter is, is that this child is a girl. Like she is a girl. And right now, maybe there's not a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of difference. Like she can pass as a pre- pubescent boy. But we know from the stories that we have heard from detransitioners, like that there are a lot of consequences to not just social transition, but especially medical transition. And it just, the story itself breaks my heart. But then let us talk about, let us talk about Fox News sharing this and what this means. Because I was pretty stunned by this. And when I said I was stunned by it, because I originally tweeted about it, And I said, I'm stunned that Fox News ran a segment celebrating a girl whose parents transitioned her into a boy when she was five because she apparently told them she was a boy before she could talk. Absolutely maddening and heartbreaking. And some people said, well, how could you be surprised by this? Why are you surprised Fox News has been liberal for a, a while? And that's true. Fox News has been liberal for a while. And I was not under any kind of I wasn't deluded into thinking that Fox News was like this bastion of social conservatism. They have segments, I think, every week, if not almost every day on a variety of shows on Fox News about Pride Month, celebrating Pride Month. Same thing on Fox and Friends. And this has been happening for a few years now. I have no doubt that the culture at Fox News is probably liberal. Now, I think that there are probably a lot of, you know, true social or some true social conservatives there. Not every show aligns with this. I would say that you'll never see Tucker Carlson doing something like this, doing a segment like this for sure. But but I was still stunned, even knowing what I know, knowing that there were a lot of socially liberal, there are a lot of socially liberal people at Fox News. 
And while I'm not surprised when they celebrate gay pride, whatever, even though I disagree with that, to celebrate the gender transition of a child, to talk about a child being the opposite gender when they are a baby before they could talk, to talk about transitioning a child at the age of five years old and not even covering this. Nothing in this segment talked about the other side of it, that, hey, this is a very contentious debate. There are people who disagree with the transition of young people because the statistics actually show that young people who experience this kind of gender confusion typically grow out of it after puberty. About 85% grow out of any kind of feelings of gender dysphoria that they feel like there was there was no talk about the consequences, the the physical consequences, the psychological consequences that can occur in young people who are transitioned. This wasn't like a both sides of the debate thing here. This was unabashed, complete and total celebration of transitioning and mutilating a child's body by Fox News. I just I was surprised that they went this far and they actually double down on it. And this is, I mean, so this is America's newsroom and it's Dana Perino. I don't think you saw her. It's Dana Perino reporting. Now, I don't know that Dana Perino actually agrees with all of this. I didn't see her double down on it. She read the teleprompter. I'm sure she did not write the script herself. Actually, I'm almost completely positive she didn't. She probably feels like she's doing her job. I don't I don't know where she stands on this. I'm not assuming one way or another. Obviously, if this were me, not that I would ever like have a job where I'm supposed to be like an unbiased reporter because that's not what I do. I am a commentator. But there's no way that anyone if if Blaze TV, which they never would, but if they ever came to me and said, hey, you have to use, quote unquote, preferred pronouns or you have to read this segment, I wouldn't do it. I would quit. I would quit before I would do something like that. So I thought that was interesting. Again, I don't know where she stands on it. I generally, I mean, I like Dana Perino. Um, I was disappointed, obviously, by the participation in this segment. I'm sure that she would have something um, to say about that. She, I mean, she is a very like reasonable person. She gets a lot of good analysis and she's really good at her job. It was a little jarring to see her um, report report on this. So, but other other members of Fox News double down on this. So Brian Yanis is the um, he was the correspondent who reported on this family. He tweeted as part of our America Together LGBTQ plus Pride Month series at Fox News. We highlighted the story of Ryland Whittington, a trans California teen and his he says his family to openly who openly spoke about their journey. I would rather have a living son than a dead daughter. And the story was produced, he said, by Melissa Christ. So as I said on Twitter, the fox is in the hen house. It is. I mean, when this is, I think it was Rush Limbaugh who used to say that if an institution, if an institution is not actively conservative, it will eventually become liberal. There are so many liberals within Fox News who don't see any issue with this whatsoever, that it is eventually, if they keep on hiring people like this, it will eventually be completely almost save maybe one or two shows like a left wing a a left wing network that says some conservative things sometimes and that's a shame 
I think Fox News is important to conservatism, even if it's not as conservative as I would like them to be. I don't think social conservatism is nearly represented enough on Fox News, um, but it's still important to combat the complete and total propaganda that we see from left-wing networks when it comes to a variety of subjects. And so this makes me sad. Uh, this is not. I'm. This is not coming from someone who wants to see Fox News fail. Like I, I don't. I don't want them to fail. I don't want them to, you know, be taken off air like a lot of people on the left say, because I do think there is an important place for Fox News in the conservative media landscape. But if it goes down this path, if it destroys itself from within because it is latching on to the most toxic and radical parts of progressivism, which is gender ideology inflicted on children, then I will not be sad. I will not be sad if it combusts. I will not be sad if it goes away. It deserves everything that it's going to get. And look, this is the same thing that I say to Republicans who believe that they, if they give an inch to the left on guns or abortion or whatever, then maybe they'll be liked by the left or they'll be insulated from the harshest form of criticism. It's not going to happen. Progressives, progressivism is totalitarian in nature. It wants to conquer every square inch of everything and everyone. I mean, the left is not going to stop criticizing Fox News, hating Fox News and trying to get Fox News taken off air. This is not going to insulate them from cancellation. This is just going to make sure that they are hated by everyone. So I simply think that this is this was not just an undiscerning move, but also a dangerous move because this ideology is claiming lives. It's claiming bodies. It's claiming people's minds. And it is victimizing not just young people, but also women. When you affirm this kind of thing, when you affirm this idea that a man can become a woman or worse yet, that a girl can become a boy or vice versa as a child, then you are, you are allowing, you are enabling the disastrous policy that we are seeing in the form of men being able to compete against women, men being able to go into women's locker rooms and bathrooms, men being able to go into women's prisons and domestic shelters and abuse and re-victimize them. I mean, that's something that we are seeing happen across the country. And when you affirm that, when you believe, when you affirm this idea that you can switch genders, that is what you are enabling. That is what you are allowing to happen. So it's dangerous in that way, but it's also dangerous individually when you are encouraging young children to try to mutilate their bodies or change their bodies or deny the gender identity, which is male and female based on your, uh, based on your biology, um, that God gave them. And we're going to look at a study that confirms that in just one second. Let me pause and tell you about our second sponsor for the day. And that is Birch Gold. So inflation is out of control. You guys know that. I don't have to tell you that. The S&P 500 is having its worst start of the year since World War II. My husband warned me this morning. He was like, just so you know, market talk, because things are so crazy, it's probably going to make its way into normie Twitter. So you're probably going to start seeing people that don't typically talk about cryptocurrency and the market talk about it on your timeline, just FYI. And he was right because things are crazy right now. 
it is a great time for you then to diversify into gold, the most stable asset in the history of the world. Not only will Birch Gold help you fortify your savings with precious metals, they will help you do it in a tax-sheltered account. Text Allie to 989-898 to get started. That's Allie to 989-898 to get your free no-obligation info kit on gold from Birch Gold. They are the precious metals professionals. Text Allie to 989-898. Secure your savings, 989-898. And I just want to note before we get into this um, heritage study that I read this morning, that in this particular segment on Fox News, they also feature, so this kid, Ryland, I guess has been, you know, put forward in press conferences, which again, I just find to be very suspect that he has been placed into the spotlight by his parents. So I screenshot this and we can uh, we can put it up on YouTube. And I tweeted it featured is California State Senator Scott Weiner. That's his name. He is, like I said, a state senator from California. He's standing behind Ryland, who is standing at a podium, I guess, at a press conference. Now, this is the same the same state senator. We've talked about him before, who recently tweeted that California should require Drag Queen 101 for kindergartners through 12th graders. He also wrote a bill a few years ago that prevented pedophiles still does, it's into law, prevents pedophiles from registering as sex offenders if their victim was 10 or fewer years younger than them. So think about that. If an 18-year-old assaulted an 8-year-old, then that 18-year-old wouldn't have to register as a sex offender because they were only 10 years apart. That was a bill that was authored by State Senator Scott Weiner, who is highlighted in this montage put together by Fox News. He also wrote the bill lessening the penalty for knowingly exposing someone to HIV. So this guy is a real creep and I would call him some other things, but I will hold my tongue. So again, this guy is featured by Fox News in this montage. And also, if you look at other advertisements and montages that Fox News puts up, um, they openly display the transgender flag. Fox News. Fox News is not just pushing, oh, acceptance, tolerance of gay and lesbian people getting married and visiting each other in hospitals, what this whole thing started as. I mean, they are pushing transgenderism and not just for adults to transition. We are talking about young kids not being able to go through puberty because they're put on puberty blockers because their parents are transitioning them because they say that their child was confused before their child could even speak. And you know that transitioning or um, preventing the, the the natural puberty pl- process in a young person, you understand that that doesn't just inhibit the person's body from growing. It actually hurts their brain. It actually hurts their mental development. In a way, it stunts them in all forms of growth and traps them in this kind of adolescent, not just adolescent body, but also adolescent mentality because your brain actually needs puberty too. This is part of when we mature. This is... um a leap in maturation and in growth from thinking like a child to thinking closer to an adult, even though your frontal lobe doesn't fully develop until 25. And I just, I've heard this said before, and it's, I I think it's a worthy question for us to consider. What kind of people benefit from children staying in a childlike body and a childlike mentality? for much longer than they are meant to. 
like who benefits from prolonged adolescence, both physically and mentally? It's really, really disturbing. I mean, we've also talked about, we don't have time to get into it all today so we can link some past episodes. Just look into the history of transgenderism. Look into the roots of this. Look into the roots of gender ideology from Dr. John Money, from Dr. Alfred Kinsey. Uh, Look into the person, Monica Helms is the name that this person goes by, who um, created the transgender flag. Look at the history of gender ideology and all of the other ideologies that it is intertwined with, and you will realize this is a dark, dark belief system. This is a dark ideology with a dark, demonic history. Fox News is promoting it. Let us get into a little bit of the, um, of the report that I told you about, about uh, the Heritage Foundation and what they found. Because the, one of the things that the mom said that Brian Yanis from Fox News reported on, she said that she would rather, the mom said she would rather have a living son than a dead daughter. And that's something that you hear a lot, that parents say, that activists say, And what that means is that affirmation of this child's apparent gender identity, which contradicts with the child's sex, is the only way to prevent that child from committing suicide. That the reason why kids who identify as transgender commit suicide is because they are not accepted by their family. That's a manipulation tactic. That's moral extortion. That is... Um, emotional, uh, uh, emotional extortion, emotional manipulation, and um, it is inaccurate. It's also just not true. It is not factually true. So the Heritage Report did this big study, and I'm going to link it in the description of this episode because I want you to read it yourself. We don't have time to read it all, all of their findings on air. But let me just read you the results. You can read the methodology. You can read their criticism of previous studies, why previous studies who who that seem to show that kids benefit from being accepted and and transitioning are actually faulty. They're based on really bad data. So the Heritage Foundation breaks all of that down. But let me just read you the results of their very thorough study. Quote, in the past several years, the suicide rate among those ages 12 to 23 has become significantly higher in states that have a provision that allows minors to receive routine health care without parental consent than in states without such a provision. Before 2010, these two groups of states did not differ in their youth suicide rates. Starting in 2010, when puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones became widely available, elevated suicide rates in states where minors can more easily access those medical interventions became observable. Rather than being protective against suicide, this pattern indicates that easier access by minors to cross-sex medical interventions with Without parental consent is associated with higher risk of suicide. Without making any adjustments, suicide rates among those ages 12 to 23 begin to spike in states that have provisions that allow minors to access health care without parental consent relative to states that have no such provision around 2016 after cross-sex medical interventions became more common. By 2020, there are about 3.5 more suicides per 100,000 people ages 12 to 23 in states with easier access than in states without an access provision. There is no similar spike in suicide rates among those ages 28 to 30, uh, 28 to 39 at that time. 
So there's more. I would I would read it carefully and I would keep this in your back pocket when you're having these discussions. Another another thing that I would say to the idea that you have to affirm someone's newfound identity um, in order to prevent them from committing suicide is that we really don't have great data at all. We don't have any kind of good data collection system that tells us why someone committed suicide. Most people don't have their so-called gender identity or sexual orientation noted by any kind of official system when they commit suicide. And so it's really a guess by the family and by the friends why a particular teenager, young person commits suicide. We really, we don't have any numbers that tell us, oh, look at this group. They are committing suicide because they are not accepted by their friends and family. Again, that's something that is thrown out as a form of manipulation. It is not something that's actually proven. And so don't be manipulated by that. Don't be extorted by that. Don't be told that you lack empathy or that you lack love because you believe that a child, that a person should accept the body that God gave them. That is the most loving thing you can do. Of course, as Christians, we believe the most loving thing that we can do is agree with God. God is love, 1 John 4, 8. That same God in Genesis 127 tells us that he made us male and female. So by agreeing with God, by affirming what God says is, by affirming what God says is good, we are being as loving as we possibly can. And there was a thread that I think really emphasizes this by a person named Jaden. Jaden is 22 years old. He is a former puberty-blocked individual who socially, hormonally, and surgically transitioned as a teenager. And he put up a thread um, talking about his experience and also what he thought about Matt Walsh's What is a Woman. And his story is really compelling and really sad and a good reminder for us of why we push back against this. And again, why is it why it is so egregious of Fox News to try to glorify something like this? Before I talk about this, Dad, let me tell you about our third sponsor for the day. That is Annie's Kit Clubs. So I know you guys don't want your kids in front of a screen all summer. If they're not at a camp, if they're not doing some kind of activity outside, they're inside, you still want to make sure that they are doing something constructive with their time. That is why Annie's Kit Clubs exists. So every month you get a new shipment with all the special supplies and instructions you need to make a project or your kids need to make a project. You can boost your daughter's creativity with craft kits, encourage your young builders with woodworking kits, or support all the STEM subjects they learned in school with fun, hands-on projects. I would say that this is best for kids ages about 7 to 13 years old. They also have a creative woman's kit club. And so if you like crafting and want to craft with your kids, you can get a subscription for that as well. It makes it super easy to keep your kids engaged and productive even when school is out. Also, subscriptions are month to month. You can cancel at any time. Just go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Get your first month 75% off. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie for 75% off your first month. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. All right. So let me read you some of this thread. He says, the interview that particularly caught my attention in Matt Walsh's documentary was when pol- was when Matt Walsh interviewed Dr. Michelle Forcier, a physician who, re- who routinely treats trans youth. Forcier is a big proponent of affirmative health care and pubertal blockers. It's no secret 
Uh, trans care is handled anecdotally. Forcier admits that in the interview, but it's unnerving to hear a medical professional talk about something so intimate and serious as transitioning in an inconsistent, nonchalant manner. And what this person means by this, if you haven't seen the documentary, I encourage you to do so. She basically just says, yeah, a kid can go on puberty blockers when he or she feels that he or she wants to. And actually, she probably doesn't say he or she. She probably says when they want to. So really, it's based on the feelings of a child who, again, doesn't even have anything close to a developed brain. And as Matt points out in the documentary, kids think that there are a lot of things when they're young. And in fact, they are not. And it is the responsibility, the role of adults to guide them towards reality, not allow them to ruin themselves and to hurt themselves based on a delusion. She's uh, This person says, um, what I took issue with was the fact that she claims purity blockers are completely reversible and don't have permanent effects. This is an ever increasingly common narrative, and it's a fallacy with medical data lawsuits and personal reported experiences directly contradicting it. And then he links some of those studies, and that's absolutely true. We know for a fact that puberty, block, uh, puberty blockers do have irreversible effects on young people. And we actually quoted um, in an expert, a very pro-gender switching surgeon who said that young um, young men who take puberty blockers and then receive these cross-sex hormones that they are never able to achieve orgasm. They can't even really have any kind of sexual stimulation because of the medication that they went through as a young person or that they took as a young person in order to try and fail to change their gender. Jaden says, at age 16, I was prescribed a spironolactone, a common testosterone blocker. For nearly a year, I'd struggle as I'd continue to take the medication but have consistently high T levels. Um, An OBGYN swapped my testosterone blockers for a GNRH uh, agonist implant known as Histrelin. In the coming years, I'd experienced physical, mental, and sexual changes I could never imagine. Jaden developed and still struggles with muscular atrophy, m- uh, metabolic issues, bone density concerns after having his testosterone permanently blocked by this GNRH. The lack of physical development and sexual maturation I experienced during puberty is irreversible, even when taking testosterone replacement therapy. The fertility issues and eventual decimation of my fertility altogether will never be rebounded. So we're talking permanent sterilization here. That is the consequence of messing with a child's natural puberty process. Like we don't ever stop to ask, oh, maybe maybe a person goes through puberty for a reason. Like maybe there are some consequences to stopping any kind of natural process. By the way, that's the entirety of the sexual revolution. The entirety of the sexual revolution is never stopping to ask, maybe there is a reason why the natural process works the way it does. Like maybe there is a reason the natural family always looked like mom, dad, child. Maybe there is a reason reproduction requires a sperm and an egg. Like maybe there's not just a physical reason for that, a scientific reason for that. Maybe there's also a psychological and social reason for that. Like maybe we shouldn't be messing with the thing that has worked for all of human history for millennia. But in the world of progressivism, social whims, whatever adults want, always trump science. They trump facts. They trump God. They trump morality. And 
the problem is, is that human nature, biology is like a beach ball. We can keep trying to push it down with hormone blockers. We can try to change the language. Uh, we can try to use propaganda like trans women are women to try to push this beach ball down. It's going to keep popping back up. It's going to pop up in by man. It's going to that popping up is going to manifest itself in the damaged bodies and minds and lives of young people. Jaden also says after starting estrogen injections, he started dealing with vascular issues and what is likely nerve damage in his legs. He noticed a loss of libido in the first weeks of taking blockers and started to feel as if he wasn't equipped to handle his emotions. He had brain fog, memory issues, trouble concentrating, and depression and dropped out of school. This is the reason, by the way, so many so-called trans kids commit suicide. It is not because of a lack of acceptance. It's not because of a lack of tolerance. It is because you're not supposed to mess with your hormones like that. You're not supposed to mess with your puberty process. You're not supposed to mess with your body in this way. This is a form of mutilation that, of course, is going to lead to depression for so many reasons. Just the confusion and if it's true dysphoria, the dysphoria itself can lead to depression. But also the jacking with your body and the natural processes that your body is supposed to go through. I mean, that is also going to lead to depression and anxiety and suicide. So the loving position, the right position, the truthful position is to be against this stuff. Fox News is so far gone if they are going to embrace things like this. Look, I'm thankful for the platform that Fox News has given me. Again, I think it has an important place in conservative media. But it's a good reminder that you can't look to any corporation, any institution to be your moral exemplar and to stand for truth. And I will go a step further, is that it's not just that if an entity isn't actively conservative, they will become liberal. I would argue if an entity isn't actively Christian, it will eventually become liberal because culture and politics are both downstream from theology. Whether you believe in God or not, if you don't believe in God, that is still a form of theology. Your theology is that you don't believe in a God. That's going to inform what you think about politics and culture. If you do believe in God, if you believe in the first verse or the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, that God created the heavens and the earth, then that is also going to inform what you think about culture and politics. So I would argue if an entity does not have a firm foundation in God, does not have a firm foundation in Genesis, a firm foundation in the word of God, then it will eventually give way to social pressure and social whims, because why not? That is why while I am happy to link arms with like unwoke liberals who are at least for free speech and for diversity of thought and are not insane about the gender thing, they're a little bit more nuanced. At the end of the day, I do not believe that being unwoke is good enough. I don't believe that you can build a simply unwoke world. You have to replace it with something else. And whatever you replace it with has to have a firm foundation. Being unwoke or just being like unconditionally tolerant, we've already seen, is not a firm foundation. That's why we are where we are, actually. Um, so I'm not talking about a theocracy. I'm not talking about forcing people to be Christians or having like a state-sanctioned religion. I am for us deciding, okay, 
Like, what do we want to build on? Like, where are we getting our definition of truth? Where are we getting our definition of justice? I say, as all of Western civilization has said until relatively recently, that the Bible is a great place to get that foundation. And in fact, the only place to get that foundation. It is godlessness um, and scripturelessness that has brought us to where we are today. That's what it all fully comes down to. We can have scientific and moral and philosophical, political, cultural conversations, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it comes down to who you think made us, who's in charge, why are we here, what are human beings. The more we deny the foundational concept, which has been foundational not just to Christianity, but also to Western civilization, that human beings are made in the image of God, that we are not self-creating, that we are not self-declaring, that we are not self-identifying, but that we were created by God who tells us who we are and what we are for and even what our rights are, the more we will spiral not just into moral anarchy and confusion and chaos, but also into tyranny. We will always look for someone to lead us. We will always look for someone to tell us what to do, to give us some guidance. And if it's not God, it's going to be yourself. It's going to be the government. Um, and we've seen where that leads. The 20th century tells us exactly where that goes. All right, I'll close this out in just one second after I tell you about our last sponsor for the day. And that is Patriot Mobile. So we've already talked about the major corporations in this country, including cell phone carriers. They hate you. They hate what you believe in and they are taking your money and they are donating it to causes that are fighting against the things that you believe in. But you don't have to worry about that with Patriot Mobile. They are the country's only Christian conservative cell phone providers. Uh, uh, provider. They are one of the few companies fighting back. Plus, they have plans to fit any budget and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. They share your values. They support organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life. They also have great deals for veterans and first responders. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Ali, patriotmobile.com slash Ali today or call 972-PATRIOT. All right, we've got a lot of good episodes coming up this week. Tomorrow, we will be talking to Senator Marco Rubio. If you've got questions for him about any legislation or any particular issue or policy, then please shoot me a message on Instagram. I will try to ask him some of the questions that you guys suggest. We've got other good interviews coming your way this week. And once again, a reminder that I will be on, I will be out next week. We're just taking another summer break, but I I think we will have two new episodes for you that we will pre-record that will come out. I'll probably do some kind of like emergency something if Roe v. Wade if or if the Dobbs decision is published next week, but I'm hoping and praying that it that it happens the next week. So I'll be able to give you a proper and formal episode on that. Also, another thing to pray for. Southern Baptist Convention is meeting this week in Anaheim, California. Go listen to last week's episode about the Southern uh, Baptist Convention and why this conference matters, why picking the SBC president actually matters. It matters not just to the country, but also to the world, because as Pastor Tom Askell pointed out last week, the SBC is exporting its Christianity and its theology to the world 
through world missions. And so, and it's also the largest denomination in the country. So whether you are a Southern Baptist or not, it is very consequential uh, which direction the denomination goes. So we talked about that. We talked about the sexual abuse report last week. Go listen to that. And also just pray that wisdom and that God's grace would prevail in Anaheim, California um, this week. All right. I think that's all I've got. As always, if you love this podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. Also, we've got great merch for you at the merch store. We've got all different kinds of t-shirts and we've got stickers and we've got more stuff coming out for you that I'm super excited about. Thank you guys for your enthusiasm and buying our fun merch. All right. I will see you guys back here tomorrow.